Today we're going to begin a brand new sermon series entitled Creative Power, Why Our Words Matter to God. Creative Power, Why Our Words Matter to God. And when you begin to think about creative power, there's nowhere, nowhere else in the Bible that we could begin or begin to look at other than in Genesis chapter 1. Because in Genesis chapter 1, the greatest creative explosion that ever happened on the planet happened as God created the heavens and the earth, amen? And we get to be a part of that awesome story of creation. So let's look in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep water, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness. And then verse 26, God's crown jewel of creation, the Bible says that then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Look at that first point on your outline. Our words matter to God because we were created to be like God. Now let me just pause right there because I always say this when I make a statement similar to this. We were created to be like God, but you're not God. Amen? So everybody really clear with that this morning? You're not God, but you were created to be like God. And since you were created to be like God, I want you to grab hold of something this morning. You were created to create. You were created to create. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about creative power and why our words matter to God. And we're going to kind of lay a foundation today because we're going to recognize that because we were created in the image and likeness of God, we were created to create like our creator God, right? If you're going to be like God and God was a creator, guess what you've got to do? You've got to create. And when you think about all of creation, think about this for just a minute, kind of wrap your mind around this for a second. Out of all of creation that God made, everything remains the same that God created in the beginning except for human beings. Animals still live like animals, trees still live like trees, the sun, the moon, and the star, and the sky all do exactly what they did when they were created in the genesis of time. The only thing that has evolved, I use the word evolved, not talking about evolution, talking about change. The only thing that has changed and evolved to new levels of life and living are human beings. Think about that. Every other aspect of creation remains just like it did when it was created in the Garden of Eden, except for, of course, the sting of sin that affected creation. But nothing has changed in all of creation except for humans. And humans have continued to change and grow. Why? Because humans were created in the image and likeness of God. We were created to create and we are creative beings. And, and let me give you something fun just to kind of do. Go home and Google. Uh, go home and Google inventions and technology. Google a timeline of inventions and technology. Because what you will see is that over time, man has continued to create and create and create. One of the most astounding things as I was looking back through this, I thought, you know what? It took us 18 years after the birth of Christ for somebody to invent toilet paper. I mean, no, that was a game changer. Do you realize that just 12 years ago, just 12 years ago, 
There was no such thing as a smartphone. 2007, the first iPhone came out. Just 12 years ago, there was no such thing as a smartphone. I read this week that there is more technology in our pocket through your cell phone than was required to put the first man on the moon. More technology in your cell phone than was required to put the first man on the moon. How is that possible? How is it that man has continued to create, to create new ways of life, new ways of living, new technology, new things, new inventions, new ideas? I want to tell you how, because you were created to be a creator. Let me give you an awesome insight here this morning. Everything that man has created since the genesis of time has been an expression of what God already created. So in six days, God created everything that we now see and experience today and even everything that we're ever going to see and experience on planet Earth. God created it in the natural and in the spiritual and in the heavenly realms. So when man creates, we don't take nothing and make something. We take the something that God has made and create it in a new way that brings life to new people. And we have been creating now for thousands of years out of what God did in six days. And every now and then I just kind of sit around and think about that. God made everything. The technology that we weren't operating in 50 years ago, that we weren't operating in 100 years ago, that we weren't operating in 1,500 years ago. It was all there. But along the way, man continued to create. Why? Because we were created to be creators. Because we were created to be like God. And we are the only element of creation that creates new ways of life and living because we were the only element of creation that was created in the image and the likeness of God. So look at that next point. So why do our words matter to God? Right, Pastor Keith, what does creation have to do with our words? Our words, I want you to see this, matter to God because our words are not just words. Our words are not just words. Our words are spiritual containers that release the creative power of God. It releases creative power. Death and life are literally in the power of our tongue, right? Proverbs 18, 21 actually tells us that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So look at that point that we just said. So why do our words matter to God? Because our words are not just words. Our words are not just words. Maybe you've heard this little old saying, sticks and, bones, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never... That's the most foolish statement I ever heard on the planet. I can heal from a broken bone, but let's be honest. Some of you are carrying a wound today, 20, 30, 40, 50, even 60 years later, of something that was said to you when you were five years old. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. No, words will kill you. Words will wound you or words will give life to you. Why? Because there is creative power in your words. People today are still being shaped. Many of you in this room are still being shaped by words that were spoken over you when you were a teenager. 
And it's still, uh, it's still altering the trajectory and the direction of your life. You still hear those words in your mind, and those words are still, in many senses, still defining and shaping who you are today 20, 30, 40, 60 years later. Why? Because words have creative power. Words are not just words. Words are spiritual containers that release creative power, either life or death. Look with me at what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. Luke says it this way. The, the, the gospel, the writer of Luke says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in your heart comes out of your mouth, and that's significant, and that's important, and that's, that's critical for us to understand. But I want you to look at the very next verse, verse 36. And Jesus says, but I say to you that for every idle word, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For every idle word you speak, you are going to give account to God on the day of judgment for every word that has come out of your mouth. If words were just words, why did God care? If words were just words, why is God going to hold us accountable for the words that we speak? Let me tell you why. Because words aren't just words. Words are spiritual containers that release life or release death. And one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for every idle word, every utterance that has flowed across our lips. Why? Because your words matter. Your words are creative power. And I don't know about you, when I read that scripture, it's very sobering to me because I, you know, I kind of make my living talking. <laughs> And it reminds me of what James said in James chapter 1. He said we ought to be swift to hear and we ought to be slow to speak. Why? Because words have power. Words shape our lives. Words fashion our lives. Words create. And then he goes on and he makes this statement. Verse 37. He says, for by your what? For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. By your what? Your words. By your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. The word justified means to be declared just or be made right in the sight of God. Now, this is not talking about that Jesus' blood is not enough. No, the blood of Jesus brings us into right standing with God. But our words justify us, or our words condemn us. And it's not just when we die and go to heaven and give an account for our lives, but I want you to understand, your words will bring you into right places with God, or your words will condemn you, your words will bless you, or your words will curse you. And we've seen it over and over. How many times have you seen people curse their lives? They curse their children, they curse their family. They say things like this, no matter how I try, nothing ever works out for me. Everybody else gets blessed, but I never get the promotion. My boss doesn't even see how hard I work. 
Out of the words of your mouth, you will be justified. Out of the words of your mouth, you will be condemned because you are going to give an account for every word. Why? Because words are not just words. They are spiritual containers that release creative power. Look at our next point. Our words matter to God because God's words framed the world. And our words frame our world. You are currently living in the world your words created. You are currently living in the world your words have created. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are invisible. The worlds were framed by the word of God. And I want to project to you today that your words are framing your world. Now, I don't know if you've ever built a house or you know anything about building, but this is what I know. Number one, you've got to have a foundation. The Bible says there's only one foundation that you can lay, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. And if you're not building your life on Jesus Christ, then you're not, you don't have a life. You have prolonged death. But once you accept Christ and you lay that spiritual foundation, the Bible says, let every man be careful how he builds their own. And we typically assume that we build on the rock of Jesus Christ by what we do, but according to this scripture, we build on the rock of Jesus Christ, not just by what we do, but by what we say. Our words frame our world. And once you lay the foundation, the framing is essential. Why? Because you can't build what you haven't framed. If you frame a two-bedroom house, you get a two-bedroom house. If you frame a one-room shack, you get a one-room shack. If you frame a 20-bedroom mansion, you get a 20-bedroom mansion because the foundation stone of Jesus is big enough. Some on somebody. There's no limit to what the foundation can hold. The only limit to what you build will be determined by the words that you begin to speak. Your words frame your world. And they begin to create the infrastructure upon which everything else happens. Now, we're mature enough in this room, I hope that you are, we're mature enough in this room to understand that our world is not just made up of our words, right? There's faith, there's obedience, there's perseverance, there's patience, there's, re there's sowing and there's reaping. There are a lot of things that we do that make up our world, but I want you to understand your words frame it. And here's what I've recognized, and I believe you can agree this is true. You can't build what you haven't framed. But the flip of that coin is, is that you will build what you have framed. Your words will define what you will do, what you will say. It'll define your faith. It'll define your obedience. It'll define your persistence. It'll define your patience. It'll define what you sow, and it'll determine what you reap. Why? Because your words will frame up the world that you live in. And you are now living in the world your words created. Miss Cindy Hill, who leads our children's ministry, she types up our little outline and turns it into the little thing that you get every week in your bulletin. Thursday when she got it, she texted me and Kelly, and she said, I'm so excited about the new sermon series. I'm living this sermon. She said, I'm living in the world that my words created. She said, I didn't even realize it. She said, but ever since I've been little, she said, this is what I always said. I always said, when I grow up, 
I'm going to have a lot of land. I'm going to live in a small country home. I'm going to drive a Mustang. I'm going to have three or four kids. She said, I'm living in the world. My words created. Now flip that. Because you know that's true. You know that the people that say, nothing ever works out for me, nothing ever turns for my good, I can't ever get ahead, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, nobody supports me, nobody stands with me, no matter how hard I try, nothing ever changes. You know what they get? They get exactly what they said. They're living in the world their words have created. Why? Because words aren't words. Words are spiritual containers that release creative power that frame your world. And what you frame is what your life will build. You will begin to build into and move into and project upon the words that you speak over your life. Now look with me in James chapter 3. James gives us some amazing insight into our words. He says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, listen to this, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. The word perfect doesn't mean without sin. It means mature and complete. We would be mature and complete and could also, look at this last statement, and could also control ourselves in every other way. If we could control our tongue, we could control ourselves in every other way. If I could control my tongue, I could control my appetite. If I could control my tongue, I could control my finances. If I could control my tongue, I could control my relationships. If I could control my tongue, I could control my future. If I could control my tongue, I could control, uh, I could control my ministry. I could control my family. I could control the outcome of the decisions and choices that I make. If I could control my tongue, I can control everything. Because words aren't just words. Words are spiritual containers that release the creative power of God that is within you because you were created in the image and the likeness of God. Now look what he says. He gives us two great illustrations here. He says we can make a large horse go wherever it wants by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Look at that last part. Even though the winds are strong, even though there's trouble, even though there's trial, even though there's tribulation, even though there's persecution, even though everybody else ain't doing what everybody else is supposed to do, and everybody else ain't saying what everybody else is supposed to say, if I can control the rudder of my tongue, I can control the course of my life regardless of the storms and adversity that comes against me. The problem is, is we give life to the storm, and we speak death to ourselves. We say things like this, well, you know, I could get ahead if my boss wasn't against me. I could get ahead, you know, but this economy. I could get ahead, but the president, or the last president, or the next president, or the Congress. I could get ahead, but... I would have a healthy marriage if my wife would just do what she's supposed to do, if my husband would just do what he's supposed to do. Our family would be wonderful if our children would just act right. Guess what you just did? You gave life to the storm. You allowed the storm to control the rudder of your life. 
You allow the storm to control the rudder of your life. But if you control the rudder, the Bible says you can make the whole ship go wherever you want it to go in spite of the winds, in spite of the storm, in spite of the trouble, in spite of the trial, in spite of the tribulation, in spite of other people. You can go where God wants you to go if you'll control your tongue. He says you can put a bit in a horse's mouth. And that little bit and that big old horse can make him do anything you want him to do. Because if you control the tongue, you control the entire person. Look at the next verse. Verse 5, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Look at verse 6. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. A unruly, untamed tongue is a tool of the enemy that releases the fire of hell into your life to consume and destroy your whole world. And we've seen it. We've seen people with their words consume their whole world, release the fire of hell and destruction and devastation and sickness and disease on their entire world. We've all known people that everything they touched fell apart. And if you want to know every, why everything they touched fell apart, listen to what they said. That's exactly what they said. No matter what I do, it never works. No matter how hard I try, I never get ahead. Nothing ever works out for me. Every now and then I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, Pastor Keith, I just don't understand. Somebody said something to me about I was cussing. They said I shouldn't be talking like that anymore. I'm a Christian. It's just a word. It's not a word. It's not just a word. Let me tell you why it's not just a word. We call it cussing, but it's also called curse words. You know why they're called curse words? Because you're cursing. You're cursing your family. You're cursing your job. My blanket blank truck, my blanket blank job, my blank blank family, my blanket blank kids, my blanket blank this. You're cursing. God is not against it because he's offended by it. It ain't like he ain't ever heard it before. See, I get around a lot. I don't care how bad they cuss. It doesn't bother me. It grieves me. And the reason it grieves me is because I'm not offended by their cussing. I am grieved by their cursing because I know they're cursing their family. They're cursing their children. They're cursing their marriages. They're cursing their jobs. They're cursing their futures. And it grieves my heart when they curse. Why? Because they're bringing death and damnation upon the thing God intended to bring life to them. And all of a sudden, our whole world is set on fire with the flames of hell because the words of our mouth have become unruly and untamed. Now look at the next verse. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But look at verse 8. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless, 
It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Now, you might say, well, Pastor Keith, right there, it's in the Bible. No one can tame the tongue. I can't control it. I mean, I'm just a victim of my circumstances. I got to say what I say. I got to do what I do. No, 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 no. No one can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. But how many know you're not just a man? If you're born again, you're a spirit man, right? You're a spirit man. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, right? And the fruit of the spirit is self control. I can control the words. I can control my thoughts. I can control my actions. Why? Because I'm no longer carnal. I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual. See, some of you have a horrible confession. You say, well, I'm just a man. And when we say that, we always say that as an excuse for our ungodly, immoral Words, actions, decisions, and thoughts. Well, I'm just a man. What do you expect? I expect you to be a superman. I expect you to be a spiritual man. I expect you to be a man made in the image, born again by the power of Almighty God. And it was not an accident, I want you to hear me, it was not an accident that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and birthed the New Testament church into existence, it was not an accident that the Holy Spirit came as cloven tongues of fire. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came to baptize us with the Spirit and power of God so that we could have tongues of fire. No longer the fire of hell. Now the fire of God that sanctifies and purifies and cleanses us. Our God is a consuming fire that removes all the filth and vulgar and carnality and death out of our lips so that we can begin to speak with a new language. When they begin to speak in other tongues, I want to tell you something. Yes, we need to pray in the Spirit, and yes, we need to speak in tongues, but we need to get a new language, and we need to begin to speak a heavenly language and agree with God. Because he poured out cloven tongues of fire. That wasn't an accident. That was God declaring that no longer are we going to be ruled by unruly tongue of carnality and flesh. Now we're going to be ruled by a Holy Ghost-filled tongue. The sword of the Spirit is now going to come out of our mouth. And in Revelations, the Bible says when Christ comes seated on his white horse, he's going to open his mouth, and out of his mouth is going to come a sharp two-edged sword by which he will slay his enemy. Ephesians 6 says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is not what is written. This is the word of God. But the word of God as a weapon is what is spoken. You can hold your Bible all day long, nothing's going to happen. You can sit on the nightstand, the end table. You can put it on top of your head and walk around 24 hours a day. But until you speak the word, there's no sword in you. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, coming out of your mouth that brings life to your world. Look at the next verse. Sometimes our tongue, it praises the Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. 
Sometimes our tongue praises God, and sometimes our, God, our tongue curses people who are made in the image of God. There is a New Testament principle that simply says this, bless your enemies and do not curse. Bless your enemies and do not curse. Bless your enemies and do not curse. You know why God tells you to bless people that are in your life that you feel are enemies? Let me tell you why. This is what happens. You get on a job, and all of a sudden... You don't like the people around you. Somebody does you wrong. And all of a sudden, you don't like them. You don't like working with them. You don't even like seeing them. And you start cursing them. When you curse, hear me, when you curse, and by curse, I'm not saying you're using cuss words. Cursing them is saying, man, nobody can work with them. They're so hard to get along with. I can't stand to be around them. I just lose my joy every time I go to work. When you curse the people that are in your life, hear me, when you curse the people that are in your life, you curse your life. You just cursed your job because you're cursing your coworkers. And now, guess what? Now you got to go find a new job because you can't stand working there because you don't have any joy and you don't have any peace. But what you don't realize, you don't have joy and peace not because they're there, but you don't have joy and peace because you cursed the work environment that God intended to bless you. And now every six months, you got to get a new job. With our tongues, we bless. And with our tongues, we curse. Look at that next verse. So blessing and cursing come forth out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So look at that next point. In order to change our world, we have to change our words. In order to change our world, we have to change our words. When we say what God says, it creates life. John 6, 63, Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit and life. But look at John 12. He says, and I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know that his commands, God's word, leads to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Jesus' words were spirit and they were life because Jesus only said what the Father said. You can't say what you see. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, one says he created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 says, and the earth was covered with darkness. And when God looked at the darkness, you know what God said? Let there be light. What if God would have looked at the darkness and said, boy, it's dark out there. I didn't know it was going to be this hard. Man, the darkness sure is dark. The world sure is wicked. The government, I just can't believe the government. It's so horrible. It's so bad. It, I mean, it, we're, America's just going to hell. I wish you'd stop cursing my nation. I wish you'd stop cursing my nation. I wish you'd stop cursing my nation. I wish you'd stop cursing our church. I wish you'd stop cursing our community. I wish you'd stop cursing our land. I wish you'd stop cursing your family. 
You cannot say what you see. It was dark, but God did not say it was dark. God saw the darkness, and God said, let there be light. You say what you want. Listen to it. Verse 3 says, God says, verse 3, let there be light. Verse 4, the Bible says, and God saw the light, that it was good. God didn't say what he saw. He said what he wanted, and then he saw what he said. God didn't say what he saw. He said what he wanted, and then he saw what he said. Jesus' words were spirit and life because he didn't say what he saw. He could have went to Lazarus' tombs, and he could have said, man, God, there's a dead man in there. He's been there four days. I don't know what we're going to do. When he saw the blind man, he could have said, boy, you sure are blind. How long has it been away? That's horrible. He didn't say what he saw. He said what he wanted. He said what God said. You can't say what you see. You can't say what you feel. Your feelings are liars. Your feelings will deceive you. Oh, I just feel bad all the time. Well, as long as you keep saying you feel bad all the time, guess what? You're going to feel bad all the time. You can't say what you feel. I just feel like nothing's ever going to change. I feel like no matter how hard we pray, they're never going to get saved. I just, I just feel like, you know, I feel like we've hit a wall in our marriage and we can't get through it. I just feel like this is too hard and this is too difficult. And I didn't know it was going to be this hard. And I didn't know it was going to be this challenging. One of my almost daily confessions, I say this all the time. I say, living for Jesus is the easiest thing I do. The easiest thing I do every day is live for Jesus. The easiest thing I do is live for Jesus. I get so sick and tired of hearing Christians say, I never knew it was going to be so hard, Pastor Keith, just to do the right thing and live for Jesus. Come to church, pray, read my Bible, tell her people it's so hard. No, it's easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Is there hard times? Yes. Are there difficult times? Yes. Are there winds? Are there waves? Is there persecution? Is there tribulation? Yes. But if I keep the rudder of my tongue submitted to the Holy Spirit, no matter how hard the winds blow, I can make the ship go wherever I want it to go. Why? Because creative power is in your tongue. Creative power is in your tongue. Jesus said, I only say want to hear the Father. You can't say what you see, you can't say what you feel, and you can't say what the world says. I mean, the world is nothing but gloom and doom. No wonder America, listen to this, the most prosperous nation on the planet is the most depressed nation on the planet. Those two shouldn't even go hand in hand, right? So how can the most prosperous people be the most depressed people? Well, because we're listening to 24-7 negative news, and then we're saying what the world says. Well, our world's just going to hell. Man, our world's in a bad place. Nothing good ever happens here. We are in trouble. We are so much, we are just in trouble. We are in trouble. We are in trouble. We are in trouble. I don't know where you're at. I'm in the hand of God. I'm born again, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm the head, not the tail, I'm the top, not the bottom, I'm the first and not the last. And whatever my hands do will prosper and I will have good success. And when I pray, things happen. Why? Death and life is in the power of the tongue. You can't say what you see, you can't say what you feel, and you can't say what the world says. Stop repeating the world. 
Stop becoming a walking declaration of the bad news of the enemy. Sickness and disease, death and chaos, confusion, division, strife, bitterness, discord. Well, they'll never change. It's crazy how we'll pray for somebody to get saved, and the next time we see somebody else in the family, how they're doing, we'll say, well, you know what? They're never going to change. Well, I thought you just spent the last six months praying for them to get saved. Now they're never going to change? Death and life is the power of tongue. And on the day of judgment, we're going to give an account for every word we speak. Why? Because words aren't just words. They're spiritual containers that release the creative power of God that is within you. Speak life and not death. Final thought. Let me give it to you today. Here's our closing question. If you knew that every word you spoke would come to pass, if you knew that every word you spoke would come to pass, would that change the words you speak? Well, guess what? Now you know. Now you know. Your words are coming to pass. And if you'll take an honest assessment of your life, you can look back over your life and you can see the fruit of your lips manifesting in your life on a daily basis. Your joy, your peace, your success, your victory, your relationships, your finances. You just look back and think about the words you've said and then look at your life and what you will see is that your life what you have built has been framed by the words that you spoke. So if you knew that every word you spoke was going to come to pass, would you change the words you speak? I am. We need to think about not just what we're thinking about, Joyce Meyer says, but we need to think about what we're thinking about. We need to think about what we're saying because death and life's in the power of your tongue. Let's just bow our heads today. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. We're going to get ready to dismiss. First question, you're here today, you're a Christian, you've been born again. Choose life today. Just right there where you're seated, just choose life. God, I choose life. Set a bridle over my lips, Lord. That's what the Psalms is praying. Set a bridle over my lips, God. Lord, I declare that I don't have a carnal tongue. I have a spiritual tongue. I am spiritually minded, and my mouth is filled with the words of God. That's a good confession. My mouth is filled with the Word of God. I'm a life speaker. I'm going to speak life. I'm going to say what God says. Because God's words create life. So make that decision right now. Ask God to forgive you. If you've been speaking death, let's repent. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Let's break up that ground that has been sowed. Let's tear down that life that we've been framing up with negative, carnal words. Words driven by carnality instead of by the Spirit. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to forgive us. We renounce and break all agreement with every lie that we have spoken, every agreement we have made, every word that we have uttered that has been in contradiction to your will and your promise and your word. We ask you to forgive us and tear down right now. God, tear down those things that have been framed. And, Lord, today we begin to speak life. We declare blessing and favor. We declare the wisdom of God and the mind of God. 
We declare joy and peace. We declare health and happiness. Father, we declare that we are anointed and we are empowered and that we are soul-winning, disciple-making, devil-stomping Christians who are advancing the kingdom of God using our words as a sword to build your kingdom. We decree it and declare it today. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and you realize that you've never confessed Jesus as Lord. That, that's why the Bible says this. It says in Romans chapter 10 that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. It's when you believe by faith, you're made right with God. But with the mouth, here it is, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's when you confess Jesus as Lord that you're born again. And maybe you've never done that today. Maybe you've acknowledged Jesus. He's a good man. He's a good teacher. Maybe you've even acknowledged Him as God, but you have never confessed Him as your Lord and your Savior, the one that died for your sins so you could be forgiven and have life. If that's you today, I want you to take a very simple but powerful act of faith right now. If you're here today and you say, I want to confess Jesus as Lord. I've never been saved. I've never truly committed my life to Christ. I believe Jesus is who He says He is. He died on the cross for my sins, rose again on the third day, and today I want to confess Him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you just to stand to your feet right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a simple act of faith. Stand up, and we're going to pray together. We're going to confess Jesus as Lord. We're going to release the power of eternal life right now. If that's you, as you stand, our ushers are going to slip a packet in your hand. We're going to pray together. I want to give you just about 10 more seconds if you're here and you want to stand and confess Jesus as Lord. Do it right now. Don't wait. We're about to pray. If you're standing, and I want to ask everybody else in here to just repeat this with me. Let's say it out loud together. But if you're standing, this is specifically for you. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died for my sins rose again on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Spirit and use me for your glory. I receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen.